Thank you, Brother Terry. Appreciate Terry singing that song this morning. It goes right along with the message. The choir special goes along with the message, all the singing. And so if you brought your Bibles, turn to a familiar passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we want to look at one verse. One verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I want to speak to you in a sermon that I've entitled, The Transforming Work of Jesus Christ. The Transforming Work of Jesus Christ. I've preached several times, perhaps, from this passage, this verse, but never this message. And so God always shows something new uh, in regards to His Word, if we'll read it. The transforming Work of Christ. Before I begin, I want us to have a word of prayer because uh, I know the devil would like to confuse you this morning, especially if you are here and you do not know Christ. And he would like to do what he can to distract you or to prevent you from hearing God's word. And so I want us just to pray just for a moment. Father, we come to you and we thank you, Lord, for an opportunity we have now to open your word. We know your word is true. And so, Father, this morning as I read your word and as I share your word, this message, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. I pray, Lord, that your word will have power over the evil one. And Father, we know that you tell us that your word will not return void, that it will accomplish what it is sent out to do. And so I pray for each person here, especially those who have never accepted you as Lord and Savior of their life, those who have never been changed, as Terry just reminded us a few minutes ago and as the choir sang about this changed life. So we pray, Lord, for those here today who have never been changed spiritually, that today, Lord, would be the day that they would meet you in a new and, and personal way and experience reconciliation between you and them. Thank you for bridging that gap between us, Lord, with the cross of Christ. And so I pray, Father, now that we might realize that that gap and that separation has been bridged by the cross. And today, Lord, we can have forgiveness of sin and we can have eternal life and we can be changed. So I pray that you will speak to each heart. Thank you for all that you do for us. We make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 5, and we'll look a little later in the message at 1 Corinthians. But right now, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the transforming work of Christ, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, is a statement that lies in the context of what Christ, or what God, has done for us in Christ. He's changed us. 
God has changed us in Christ. The moment that a person gets saved, the Bible teaches us that a reconciliation takes place between God and man. Meaning that there is a change in the relationship between God and man. Prior, we were hostile against God. God changes that hostility from hostility to love. We refuse to accept the things of God. God changes that from, uh, to, a, to a time of acceptance. So we're changed from hostility to love. We're changed from hostility to acceptance, those things of God. We're changed from hostility to friendship. We become friends of God. Before a person is saved, the Bible teaches that we are enemies of God. It refers to it as we are at enmity with God. We're enemies of God. In other words, prior to salvation, we don't have high regard for God. We could say that we even hate God. We don't have high regard for God. We're hostile to God. We reject God. And for years and years and years, perhaps, you deny God. You just simply reject Him and deny Him. However, when a person is saved, that relationship is changed. It's changed from being an enemy of God. And the Bible says that we become friends of God. So today, without Jesus Christ, you're an enemy to God. With Christ, you've become a friend of God. And friend, let me just say, you don't want to be an enemy of God. He wants you to be His friend. And He's made it possible for us to be friends with Him. And so reconciliation is every person's need. Every person's need. You see, the root of our problem is that we're estranged from Him. We're estranged from Him. A person without Christ is not one with God. We are estranged from Him. I can call a number of times where uh, I've been at the funeral home and I've visited a family, and I've had people to tell me, and I'd ask about the person's belief and or their faith in Christ, and, and no one would know. And, but they would say this. They'd say, well, Brother Sammy, <clears throat> he said that he'd made it right with God. Or she had made it right with God. Now, friend, listen. You're either reconciled with God, a friend of God, or you're an enemy of God. And the only way that that reconciliation can come about is through Jesus Christ. You are reconciled to God through Christ. That's how you become, that's how you make things right with God. And if you've never trusted Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, you haven't been reconciled with God. And if you die without that, things are not right between you and God. Are you reconciled with God? Now, if you're not at peace with God, I promise you, you can't be at peace with yourself and you can't be at peace with anyone else. It's God that gives you the gift of peace. For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. 
long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, temperance, meekness, for which there is no law. So if you're not at peace with God, then you're not at peace with yourself, and then you're not at peace with other people. And so let me encourage you to be at peace with God. Then that other peace comes about. Now listen, it's nobody's fault but yours and mine if we're not at peace with God. Because Isaiah 53, 6 says it this way, For all of us are... Um, for we're like sheep gone astray. We've turned everyone into his own way. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. We've made that choice. We've made that decision. It's nobody's fault but ours. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And so the division, the separation from God, the chasm that separates us from God is dug from your side and my side and not God's side. We're sinners by nature, but we're sinners by choice. And it's our own fault and not anyone else's. Don't you blame nobody else. It's your fault. It's my fault if I'm not at peace with God. But in Christ, in Christ, God has bridged that gap from us to Him. Now, why is that? He did that because we cannot bridge that gap ourselves. He bridged the gap. So the point of 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, is that God stepped in to heal our estranged relationship and reconciled us to Himself. And I have lost people also tell me that they pray. I'll say, well, have you ever trusted Christ? No, I haven't. But I believe in God, and I pray every day to God. Well, you're estranged from God if you're not reconciled through Jesus Christ. Could you tell me how you can pray to God if you're estranged from God? And you haven't been reconciled through Jesus Christ? Let me tell you what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches to it, the Bible says unless you've been reconciled with God through Christ, you're separated from God. And you're just talking to yourself. If you're praying and not being recon, not have been reconciled with God. Now, the heart of the gospel is God was in Christ. Christ incarnate in the flesh, reconciling the world to himself. That's why Christ came. Christ came in the flesh to reconcile the world to himself, you and me included. Now, the New Testament never speaks of God being reconciled to us, but it always speaks of us being reconciled to God. It's always we who are reconciled to him. So the point is, God acted on our behalf through Christ, and He reconciled us to Christ, to Him, to God. And you don't have to stay like you are. Reconciliation has, has made transformation possible. Reconciliation with God has made that change possible that can take place in your life. Now this morning, 
I want to share with you three things about the transforming work of Christ. Number one, the transforming work of Christ has broad application. It includes all people. It excludes no one. 2 Corinthians 5.17 If any man, any man, it has broad application. If you remember, Luke chapter 2, verse 10, speaks how the angel came and delivered the message to the shepherds and said, Unto you this day is born, or unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And he shall be a Savior for all people. All people. I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Matthew 28, 19 and 20, as we know, is the Great Commission. Go and teach all nations. All nations. Mark 16, verse 15. In regards to the Great Commission, Mark says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And so you have all people. You have all nations. You have all worlds. That's New Testament terminology. It's all-inclusive. There is a, there's a broad perspective when it comes to transformation. Transformation and a change is available to everybody. And the point is, God's grace is for every man, every woman, every boy, every girl. It's available to everyone. Now, on Wednesday night, a couple of three weeks ago, we've been studying 1 Corinthians. Now, let me just stop and say, with that remark, as we see the world continually to fall in, to continue to fall in chaos disarray through different government systems, through capitalism, through socialism, through communism, through Marxism, it might just be wise that you might be at church on Wednesday night to study what we're to be doing while we're waiting for the Lord to come back. Are you going to be caught with your hands in your pocket? Because I believe with all of my heart Time is the time is drawing nigh. Now, with that said, look at First Corinthians chapter six. First Corinthians chapter six, verse nine. Now, Hebrews chapter twelve, Paul gives us the roll call of the faith; those who have put their faith in Christ, and goes all the way back to the Old Testament. So you have the roll call of faith in Hebrews chapter 12 and 13. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 and following, you have the roll call of the damned. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not enter the kingdom of God? That's a question. You ought to know that. That's what he's saying. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not enter the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. And he lists them. Fornicators, adulterers, adulterers, infeminate, 
abusers of themselves with mankind, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And so he gives a list of the damned, those that will not inherit the kingdom of God. And he lists those who will not be in that kingdom. Now notice that list again. I'll just try to point them out. He lists fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, infeminate, the homosexual, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. Now, anybody that wants to can take up argument with what I just said, but they, I'm just reading from God Almighty's Word. And let me tell you, He has the last say in regards to it. Now, it looks like all hope is gone in verse 9. Verse 10, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. It looks like all hope is gone. And then he adds verse 11. And such were some of you. Isn't that neat? And such were some of you, but you're washed, and you're sanctified, and you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Now, he's speaking to the church at Corinth. It was made up of the worst of the worst. All of these were in the church. They had been all that we just listed. Such were some of you. But now you've been changed. See, friend, listen, the point is that no person is too bad, and no person is too messed up, no person is such an outcast that they cannot be redeemed. Regardless. God's grace is greater, as the song says, than all of our sins. So from the gutter of Corinth, from the very gutter, he pulled whoremongers, and idolaters, and adulterers. He pulled those fornicators and those homosexuals, and he lifted up a church out of that group of people. Praise the Lord that God's transforming power has broad application. Or I would be in a world of hurt this morning. Number two, the transforming work of Christ has strict limitations. Now notice, he did not say, he said, if any man, brought application, be in Christ, strict limitations. If any man, brought application, be in Christ, strict limitations. He didn't say if any man be in the church, he didn't say if any man be in the baptistry. He didn't say if any man be in leadership. If any man be a deacon or if any man be an elder. Or if any man be a steward or if any man be a bishop. Or any man be a, a, a priest or if any man be a preacher. Strict limitations. If any man be in Christ. Now I've had individuals to tell me. Well... 
I'd share the gospel with them, and, and then they'll say something like this. They'll say, well, I've tried religion before. It didn't work. Or they'll say, well, I've tried church before, and it didn't work. Well, I'm not recommending religion to you, and Paul's not recommending religion to you. The world, believe me, doesn't need any more religions. Jesus came to the Jew. They were the most religious people at that time on the face of the earth. And then during the Greek and Roman period where the gospel began to be preached, that period of time was filled with, with pagan gods and temples and rituals. Now, it could be that some of you might just have religion or ritual. What you need is a living, loving relationship with Jesus Christ. Notice, transforming work of Christ has strict limitations. If any man be in Christ, in Christ, and so Jesus came to a lost world, a sick world, sin-sick world, a doomed world, with what remedy? Well, his remedy, it wasn't a system of theological study. His remedy was, was not a, a, a system of moral conduct, just be as good as you can be. His system was not just a system of religious fanaticism. His system was not just being an expert in the law or an expert in the Bible. How people tell me they read the Bible through. Could I ask you what difference that makes in your life? To read the Bible through? And that's why Jesus said, Why call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things that I say? What difference does it make if you're not going to take the Word of God and apply it to your life? You're just a, a theologian or some religious person that, that reads the Word of God. But what was his remedy? His remedy to a lost world that was sick and doomed was himself. If any man be in Christ, not a doctrine, not a denomination, not a blessing, not a truth, not an experience. Christianity is none of those. Christianity is a person by the name of Jesus Christ. Christ is Christianity. You take Christ out of Christianity and you don't have Christianity. You take a church or a denomination that takes Christ out of out of the church or the denomination, if he's not the chief cornerstone, then you have a cult and not a church. Christ makes the church the head of it. Bill Moyers did a TV interview with a group of prisoners out of uh, Texas, the Huntsville Prison there in Texas. And uh, he 
he wanted to get their reaction to the hymn of, of Amazing Grace. And one guy, one inmate translated the hymn's meaning this way. He says, the only way out is up. Meaning, the answer to criminality is not education, and it's not legislation, but it's salvation, and it's recreation. That's the answer. So the transforming work of Christ has broad application. If any man has strict limitations, be in Christ. And I close with this. Has a great implication. He's a new creature. New creature. Now, what ways am I a new creature? I look the same, perhaps. See, it's not about an outward change, but it's about an inward change. Something takes place on the inside. You still live in the same place, perhaps, married to the same person, have the same job, go through the same struggles, have the same problems. So the question is, what's different? It's that interchange that takes, about, it takes part. New thoughts, new desires, new strengths, new values, new hopes, just to mention a few. And you get this inner and outward change at the time that you receive Christ. Because when Christ changes your heart, he changes our behavior. Always. So you have the, one person defined it this way, he said, you have the same skin but there's just a new person on the inside. So Paul ends his teaching with a great invitation. Any man be in Christ. He's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. He says, we pray in you, we pray you in Christ's stead. Be ye reconciled to God. So today, Christ desires for you to be reconciled to him. He wants you to be at peace with him. And he wants the relationship to change from hostility to love and from hostility to acceptance and from hostility to friendship. He wants you to be a friend of God. So reconciliation has a broad application, if anyone it has strict limitations, be in Christ. And it has a great implication. He's a new creature. Same skin, different on the inside. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we've had to listen to your word. Your Holy Spirit's moved upon this place this morning. Lord, I trust that you've spoken to each one of us. For those here this morning, Father, who need to have a change to take place that they can't bring about, I pray today they would come and receive you into their life to be their Lord, their Savior, and let you create into them a new person. Change what's on the inside and make it known on the outside. 
I pray for Christians, Father, who need to just come in perhaps in rededication of life. They, they've accepted Christ, but because of the world in which we live, we get bogged down in the world. You tell us that we're not of the world, but we're in the world. But we're just pilgrims passing through. One day you're coming back, and that's going to be soon. And so until then, I pray we'll be who we say we are. And so I pray, Lord, that people would respond today in just a recommitment. Transfer of membership, if that's what your will is. Lord, I don't know. You're speaking to people. But I pray that we'll be obedient. Thank you for for what you're going to do. I thank you for speaking to my heart and giving me the freedom to preach this morning. And we pray that your spirit will move and work in the lives of people and the decisions they make will be because the spirit leads them. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.